Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast, where Mary Malone and her guests have authentic conversations about leadership, navigating transitions, and finding purpose both at work and at home. We hope this conversation will give you the inspiration, power, and courage to reach for greatness while making a difference for someone else. Now, here's your host, Mary Malone McCarthy. Hi, everyone. It's Mary Malone McCarthy with Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. And today is our first podcast for 2021. So thank you for joining me. And my guest today is a another fantastic one. Today's guest is Harriet Hardy. She's the Chief Administrative Officer with ADT. And we have a shared passion about leaders and the ability for them to impact change and the responsibility that they have now more than ever to act as servant leaders and to make an impact in their organizations and in their communities. Today's conversation talks a lot about talent acquisition, recruitment, retention, the changes of what the employee experience and employee expectations are, the role of the CHR leader being the business partner and the advisor to the CEO and the executive team, And throughout today's conversation, our listeners will hear firsthand how Harriet inspires others, how she started her career, and how she helps not only the executive team, but managers of all levels have a clear vision when it comes to their people and to focus on what matters most, especially during these challenging times. So that, my friends, is the foundation of today's conversation. Can't wait to get started. And please help me in welcoming Harriet Harding. Thank you. Welcome, Harriet. It is so great to be here today, and I've been looking forward to our conversation for quite some time. And I have to say that the the energy and the alignment when we met through a mutual colleague that we both have a lot of respect for, there was such synergy and energy and alignment in our conversation that when I started the podcast shortly after, you were literally one of the first people I jotted down to join for a conversation because I just thought there would be so much to share and so much to discuss that would make an impact for others. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Mary. I felt the same connection when we met. I think it was probably about a year and a half ago um, through a mutual colleague. And it was, we were just in sync, right? You know, our thought process and how we want to tackle the world and, and yeah. all of that. So it, 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 it's great to, to be part of this today. Well, thank you. Thank you. And so much about the podcast is about inspiring other leaders, inspiring other HR leaders, but also that that servant leader mentality and what a responsibility we have today. And so I'm looking forward to jumping in. Thank you so much for joining me. And why don't we just start off by you sharing a little bit about your career and your background and what brought you to your role today? Sounds great. So actually, my background is is financial. So I got my undergrad in accounting and was for the longest time just on that finance track. And, you know, got my CPA out of school. And I started working at a a small Japanese company in, in accounting and was just not loving it. 
And I happened through a mutual colleague who worked at Allstate, was able to land in human resources, in compensation at Allstate Insurance Company. And I felt, I just fell in love with it because I Mm. still have the the knack from a financial acumen standpoint, but I think what I was missing was the people aspect. Mm. That just coupled those things together and it was just the perfect, the perfect match. I've spent a big part of my career in the compensation and benefits space, probably because of that linkage to the financial piece of of the business. But, you know, rose to an advance in in human resources at Allstate and really sat in every seat in HR before I was given the unbelievable opportunity to lead a, a fantastic HR function at Allstate for four years. And I think what I what I learned during that time was it's not like you wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to be a CHRO, right? <laughs> but but what I learned during the time that I spent at Allstate and, at, and actually sitting in various seats is how much I loved HR. And whether it was doing work in talent management, whether it was very closely to working with the business or, or whether it was inclusive diversity, which is another huge, huge passion of mine. It's just, I loved it. Mm. And so over time, I started to aspire to be a CHRO and really leaned on some of my mentors and coaches to, to help me determine if that was really the right path or not and how to actually get there. And interestingly enough, one of my mentors was Jim DeVries, who happens to be the CEO and president of ADT, where I am currently the chief administrative officer at. So it's just, you know, whether you call it karma or whether you call it things happen for a reason. You know, I've been at ADT now for for six months in a broader chief administrative officer role, which includes human resources. It includes real estate and facilities and it includes communications. And I'm loving it. I'm, I'm just really enjoying what I'm doing. Fantastic. And I love the the financial acumen that you bring to the role, particularly now, but also you light up when you talk about fell in love with human resources. And I do think it's almost like this calling, this opportunity to say, this is a, a role where we can impact so many and to also be that trusted partner that we'll talk about throughout our conversation to executives who want to do the right thing and to want to make change, but they just don't know quite how. Right. And one of the words that you described, which is one of my favorite words that helped you get to where you are today is grit. And I just think that's such a great word. And I think you do need a lot of grit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I, I completely agree. And I, I think it's unbelievably great when folks go to top 10 schools and really focus on targeting certain schools for for specific talent. I think that's really important. And I think it's especially important in certain types of functions, whether that's Mm -hmm. technology or other functions. But I have had this debate with my colleagues in HR around, I think that's important, but I I also think that it's important to look at folks that just made it because of grit. Right. And I use myself as an example. I said, I didn't go to a great school. I really did it. My parents were immigrants from Greece. Each of them worked two or three jobs to try to make it. And that's where I, 
I feel like I've learned my grit. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't go to a really, really great college. And I did the best I could, right, because of that. And I, I said, you know, I think I made it because of grit, not because of the, of the university that I went to. And it's interesting because my HR colleagues don't necessarily uh, align with that philosophy. But I think the grit, as you continue to grow in your career, I think grit is much more important. It teaches you resilience. It teaches you to overcome obstacles. And I just feel that it's a big aspect in being successful. Yeah. Yeah. You use the word perseverance and, and commitment, that that grit gives you that drive to do that. And I actually, when I'm interviewing candidates, I, I like to, to look for some non-traditional styles and backgrounds that they had to work hard to get to where they are. Right. And because of that, they're going to work hard in a role. And if they don't know it, as I always say, they're going to figure it out. You know, they're going to figure they've it had out. To. You know, exactly. they, they've had to figure out how do I get that job? That's going to help me get through college. There's a lot of life lessons that go through to be able to get you to there. And so throughout your your career, there must be certain things that drive you around HR today. And you've seen so many changes that have taken place. But what drives you when it comes to HR? What areas do you think are mission critical in that role today? I think I mentioned a couple of them earlier, but a, a few that are, I think, mission critical are that we are the change stewards for the organization, right? And if you're if you're in an organization that is not going through change, like I, I, I would consider that a red flag just there. Yeah. Because I think change makes you relevant. I had a colleague of mine mention the word relevant, and I, I thought it was really powerful. Mm. You can call it a, a competitive differentiator. You can call it other things. But I think the word relevant in, in its simplicity is so powerful. It's all about remaining relevant, right? And I think that HR is the steward of that change to help organizations be relevant whether it's enabling different skill sets, whether it's being able to go through change and overcome that, you know, kind of that grit, but doing it in a different way. So I think that the change agent is, is unbelievably important. I am drawn to the whole talent management system. And I know that's kind of like, okay, duh. But, but what I mean by that is, how all of the talent system works together, right? So you can recruit, you can reward, you can develop, but if there's a piece of that that falls behind, you're going to have an issue, right? So the system needs to work together in order to make it successful. So I see the role of the business partner as pivotal in, in human resources. And if you don't have that strength in the organization, you're going to miss out on the system. You can recruit, you can reward, but I feel like the business partner really anchors the business in making that happen. So if you don't have a strong business partner, the business is going to fail. The business is just going to fail. Um, A third piece is inclusive diversity. I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievably passionate around it. And actually, 
in between Allstate and ADT, I went to a, a smaller insurance company called Sampo International. Fantastic organization, just unbelievable. We launched an inclusive diversity strategy there. And part of doing that is we created an inclusive diversity council where we put every inclusive diversity council member through what we called a leader assessment around inclusive diversity. That included me as the sponsor of this. Mm -hmm. And I learned a ton about myself. Mm -hmm. And, And what I mean by that is, you know, historically, I've been a huge advocate of women female leaders. I, at Allstate, launched a a mentorship program for female leaders. But what was really powerful about this leader assessment was that it taught me that as a seasoned leader who is passionate around inclusive diversity, I should focus on the broader aspect of inclusive diversity, Mm. whether that's ethnicity, whether that's inclusivity around thought, just a broader aspect. And I thought that was really, really powerful. So fast forward to ADT. We've launched an inclusive diversity council. We have 20 members. The members are going through this process as well. And my purview has changed now. So I'm actually sponsoring, we've launched what we call business employee resource groups, and I could easily gravitate to the female berg, as we call it, but I have intentionally launched a mental wellness business employee resource group. And the reason why is, first of all, I want to make sure that I'm I'm broadening my scope of inclusive diversity, but secondly, The whole mental wellness right now is so important. And just to give you an example, we launched this Berg right before the holidays. And obviously we did it virtually. We had over 400 participants join. And during the call, I was continuously getting pinged through the chat about, oh, this is this is perfect. I finally have a place that I can turn to. I feel lonely and not quite sure where to turn. And it takes the stigma away from mental wellness. And it was just unbelievably powerful. We had over 160 individuals either putting a remark out there, asking questions. is like, who can I call? Can I call you after the event? I mean, it was, Mary, just, I still get goosebumps talking about it because it was unbelievably powerful. Well, and just the sense of relief that people had that in the organization that they've chosen to be a part of. Yeah. Has yeah. a resource like that is remarkable and so needed today. And it almost goes back to when you talk about talent acquisition and recruiting and retaining and looking at the full cycle and change makes us relevant. We're going through such change as organizations, as individuals, as communities, as a country, and that the relevance right now is how do we step up and support people? And we have to be by their side. And I think I'm a huge believer in that there's no better place to start this in an organization. We can do powerful work in an organization when it comes to that. And the diversity and inclusion issue is is so critical. 
for people yeah. today and to feel as though, again, that they're being heard. And not only that it's an inclusive organization, you hit on a really, really important point. I think people want to know, how can I be better about that? How can I show up? And I think I am, you know, inclusive. I, I, you know, I'm not aware of any biases and I agree. I've been through similar training and you think, holy smokes, like, I'm so glad that I had that refresher because I just, whether my ears were different, my eyes were different, whatever took place, I've, I've got some work to do. And so some of our listeners today are tuning in just to say, you know, I'm growing as an HR leader. I'm growing as a CEO or an executive. And this is such an important topic today. And I know we're going to talk about mental wellness separate. How are there some tips that you would suggest of how do I get started? And I think quite honestly, to be be very vulnerable, I think people are a little bit afraid because what happens if I say the right thing to get started? So if an organization is saying, I want to make a step forward in doing this, we've never done this. Small organization, medium, large. What would be your suggestion to start this training awareness? It has to be an and discussion. So what what I mean by this, the reason why I feel an inclusive diversity council is important is because you get the voice of the business, right? right? So it's intentionally picking individuals in the business to help be champions in the business, right? Versus it being an HR thing. First of all, inclusive diversity is not an HR thing. It's a business imperative, period, right? Mm-hmm. And if we don't do it right, I feel that we will not be able to be competitive with the business, right. period. And I think it'll impact financial results. So that's first and foremost. Then I would say it's a two-pronged approach. I think the first is education and awareness. Mm-hmm. and starting to have the dialogue in the organization around inclusive diversity. Mm. And that's scary, to be quite honest, because because those discussions are emotional. Those discussions are passionate, but they need to be constructed in a way where people can talk about inclusive diversity in the organization. I think the second prong is instilling inclusive diversity in the talent systems. Mm -hmm. Inclusive diversity cannot be a standalone. It's not a standalone. If you launch it as an initiative, it will die. Mm -hmm. It will just not be sustainable. So how do you instill it in the talent system? So what do I mean by that? How do you instill it in recruiting? Diverse slate of candidates is an example, right? How do you instill it in development? As you're developing folks, make sure that you have a diverse group of folks that you're. How do you instill it in promotions, making sure that you have a diverse slate of folks that you are considering for promotions? So how do you how do you place it in the system so that it's sustainable? Because if it's a standalone and it's not integrated in the system, it will die. It will just die. Mm-hmm. And not only will it die, but it will demotivate employees because they'll be like, hey, 
so so what was it just like the flavor of the month last month and now right. we're not doing anything and it just won't get traction right. so i say it's a two-pronged approach it's the education and awareness on one side and then it's the how do you integrate it into the talent systems in order for it to be sustainable Fantastic. And I have a lot of clients that are incredibly committed to this and want to recruit in a different way. And yeah. and yet they're having a hard time because they are just saying, we don't know where to start. We don't know how to do it. And I think it almost starts where you have to back up into internship programs, mentor oh, programs, absolutely. building relationships. Is there anything you would add to that for the organizations that are saying, we want to do this. We can't, we can't get the diversity that we're striving for. You know, I've heard folks say it'll just happen. It doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. And and what I mean by that, there has to be intentional focus, right? So make sure you're targeting those diverse schools, Mm -hmm. right? When you indicate that you want to get a diverse candidate for a role, put an accountability out there. And, And what I mean by that indicate, you know what, I want half of the slate to be diverse, mm-hmm. period, right? And because that actually increases the chance of you getting a diverse candidate for the role. Mm-hmm. Or declare, I will hire a diverse candidate for this role, aka search firm or my internal recruiters only bring me diverse candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done that in the past. And at times it may take a little longer, but you'll get the candidate. Right. You'll get the candidate. So right. that accountability needs to be there in order to move the needle on, yep. on diversity. Yeah, it's so. fantastic. Which kind of leads me into, you know, when you when you talked about talent acquisition and the business partner and in earlier conversations, you you really emphasized how important it is for HR leaders to understand the business. It's not yeah. this department that's an island. And it's HR leaders' responsibility to make sure that they are learning the industry, learning the company, learning the strategy, where they're going. And the companies that I see that are thriving are much in part because the HR leader has a seat at the table and is that trusted partner to the CEO, many other managers, and they really lean on that. And I think because they they see that they understand the business, so they're going to understand it and they're going to be more welcoming to how you challenge them and make different suggestions. You've given some great suggestions and are great examples to me throughout our past conversations. Can you talk a little bit about to a CEO to say, you need to lean on, you need to find an HR leader. And for HR leaders to step up and to have a voice to say, I need to be a part of this conversation. If HR leaders aren't focusing on the big business first and foremost, I don't think they'll ever be credible, right? In fact, what they will be is an administrator and a paper pusher. And that's not the best value that an HR leader can have, should have in the organization, right? Correct. So learning and understanding the business is is first and foremost in order to be able to be credible with the business leader, the business leader or, or the CEO. Because when you think about either a leader or even a a, a CEO with their CHRO, a CEO looks to the CFO from a finance standpoint and looks to the CHRO from a talent standpoint. And when you think of finance, you know, assets 
and people are your biggest, that's what an organization has, those two things, right? So a CEO should be really in sync with their CFO and their CHRO in order to be really enabling the two biggest aspects of the company that drive the success of the company, right? And if they're not, then they're not leveraging those two aspects to its capacity. So that chemistry, I feel, between the CFO, CEO, and CHRO is like prominent. And I've seen it fantastic, and then I've seen it not so fantastic. And when it's not as good, there's a problem in the business somewhere. Either it's financial or you're not leveraging your talents or you're not being able to be as successful in executing on the business. So uh, I think that's prominent. You nailed it. You nailed it. You know, you gave a great example about in the past of, of, I think it was the CFO who was talking about this benefit change. It was, if you want to share that story, I thought it was fantastic because it, it just highlights that, you know, somebody's looking at the financials and going, well, we'll just do this. And, and then you said, and we will have a major retention issue. We will not yeah. be able to recruit. And then the dollars and cents that go with that are right. just massive. Yeah, we were considering at one point when I was a CHRO to make some significant benefit changes. And that could have potentially, you know, saved money for the organization. However, I was very concerned about the disruption to the business. And as I was working with with the CEO on this, you know, the CEO said, you know, what are you really concerned about? And I said, I'm concerned about the disruption to the business. I'm concerned about the retention or the turnover going from 30% in our call centers to 65. And then, you know, I don't know that we would really be optimizing the cost savings because we're going to have to, we're going to lose employees and we're going to have to retrain and then customer satisfaction uh, with our customers is going to go down. And I said, so for me, it's not not doing it. It's just how do we do it? How do we do it in a way that's optimizing the change? So it kind of goes back to my earlier conversation around change management. Maybe we do this over a two or three year period of time instead of doing it over a one year period of time. It kind of goes back to it's really connecting the financials to the people to really optimizing the changes that we were considering making in, in benefits. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, it's interesting when I reflect back on M3 as, you know, we're as a search firm, we really got into the strategic HR for exactly what you were talking about. And what we found is that we were working with clients and we were placing great talent and then they were losing them six yeah. to 12 months later. And so yeah. all of a sudden we thought, why don't we help them solve the people problem from the inside out. So at M3, we're always talking about, let's work from the inside out. And we've got to look at, because there's a huge financial cost. And when you're spending insurmountable amounts of money on replacing talent all the time, you're also losing other talent because of morale, frustration, retraining a person five times for this job. You know, So there's so many ways to connect the dots. And it's great when an organization is saying, we need to make a change. And then they start to take a step back and look at HR, look at making sure they have the right leader in the role, that the CEO, I almost feel like must be so relieved (laughs) when they have a great partner by her side or his side to say, 
advise me, guide me, help me understand what I don't know from the people side of the business. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. Because I think the CEO is in an interesting spot in, in the sense of that person should rely on their leaders to really tell them, hey, what's really going on in the business, yeah. right? I'll tell you, in, in my career where I have seen the biggest value that I have provided a CEO is when I had the ability to be completely transparent mm. and vulnerable to say, hey, CEO, I think we've got an opportunity to do something different here than we've done in the past. And what I mean by this is I think you should look at it like this. And I think it really takes a, an interesting relationship between a CHRO and a CEO where you can be that advisor and confidant to say, hey, CEO, like, you know, I probably wouldn't have done it that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're open to some coaching, I would suggest that in the future, you may want to consider X. Right. And, but it takes that bond in order to be able to do that, first and foremost, and that mutual respect to say, you may want to consider something different in the future to get a different outcome. And that's challenging at times, right? It is. is. And I think it takes being vulnerable on both parts. No doubt. Of a Mm -hmm. a CEO or CFO or COO saying, I I do, I want to hear this, you know, because as you said, I would say probably your product, your service and your people. And if you don't have the people engaged and on fire and growing, it doesn't matter the other two parts because you need the people to make it happen. You know, it's really the foundation of where it goes. We talked a little bit about recruitment, obviously, and talent acquisition. And I, what's fascinating for me in the business is how much that has changed. And I think COVID has just accelerated that. Yeah. And yeah. so great talent does not happen overnight. And you really have to core and recruit and you have to create an experience starting from the interview on. And they have great choices today. You know, so it's not the fill out our application and we'll let you know. The interview is really your chance as an organization to showcase, right, to create that experience. And great talent is really looking about that experience and they're looking for different things than they may have years ago. Tell me, you know, what you feel has changed and what would you tell organizations you better be have this kind of on your radar today yeah yeah you know i i'd start with just how companies focus on the customer experience they should focus on the employee experience and that starts from the posting process right so that starts at that part of the recruiting process so and really thinking through what do we want the employee experience to be, mm-hmm. right? And, and what should a potential candidate look for when they look at our website? What should a potential candidate look for as part of the whole recruiting process? And so what I've tried to, to guide leaders is we can have a process, but we also need to remain flexible mm-hmm. because the talent market is fierce right now. It is. And employees have many choices, right? They don't have to come to ADT. Mm-hmm. So what do we at ADT offer that's a differentiator compared to other companies? So for example, I know we're all we're all trying to figure out what post-COVID is going to look like as far as the, the workplace and remote working and all of that. But I guarantee you 
that companies are not going to look like companies did pre-COVID. There's going to be a lot more flexibility around where employees work, how many days they come into the office. If I had to guess, I would say companies are going to be going to to some sort of a hybrid model where employees are sometimes in the office and sometimes remote. If we at ADT don't offer that, we're going to be at a competitive disadvantage, period. I think we need to meet employees where they're at. Now, Mm. do I think there are some advantages of people being in the office? Absolutely. Somebody mentioned this and it was called a spontaneous combustion, which I love that word because Mm -hmm. what it was is, you know, that, that just spontaneous thought process that you get when you're in the office and you stop by people's office and say, hey, I have this idea. Can I run it by you? Yeah. It's a lot easier to do that than to like Zoom them or be able to give them a call because it just happens spontaneous. So I think there's a lot of advantage for being in the office. I just don't know that it has to be five days a week. And I think if companies don't move to some sort of flexibility with that, they're going to be losing fantastic talent or they're not going to be attracting fantastic talent because of that. Well, and I think you hit it right on the head in that not only recruiting the talent, the existing talent is going to change. You know, I know when we're doing searches, when we're talking to talent, they will say, these are my priorities now, especially I want to say going through as I'm being forward thinking they're getting on the other side of the pandemic, but people have really shifted even more than ever of priorities, what's important, what their responsibilities have to be right now when kids at home and all those types of things. And it really, it is, it's exactly saying that, you know, I have to find a organization that's going to support me with where I'm at to repeat your words, because I really want to give, I really want to be a part of an organization. And I know that I can move the needle for this organization, but if they're not willing to be Mm -hmm. flexible, I have to go to an organization that will. And I think that as CHROs, CEOs, leaders across the board, they've got to get in front of this. They can't wait and see what's going to happen. These are conversations they have to start having now and be proactive. And those are when you go back to talking about how do you, how do you market a position? How do you post it? Let's talk about that right up front in in marketing that position, because that's going to attract the type of talent that you want to have be a part of. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you an example. We're, We're in the process right now of trying to recruit a senior leader. And ideally, it'd be great for that person to be in the Florida region and in in Boca. But the individual stated right up front, I can't move. And so we have provided her the option of not. It's your call. Do you want to be in Boca? Great. If you don't and you want to stay where you're at and work remote, it's your call. And I think we need to do more of that. Yes. Otherwise, I really do think that we will lose talent. It will, yeah. And I think it's just open up the frontier of talent if you shift your perspective on how you look at it. Yeah. And I think that COVID has also forced organizations that may not have been open to virtual to test it and to say, you know, a lot of CEOs are saying, gee, Mary Malone, I I really would have never done this, but it sort of works. And now that CFO who's in Ohio, I, I think I'd like to talk to her. I'd like to talk to him that I may not have talked to before. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, that's fantastic. As we get to our closing, are there any pieces of advice or just nuggets of lessons learned for CEOs 
and HR leaders, you know, and I always like to talk to those up and coming leaders that you would like to share today to help them get the energy that they need during these yeah. challenging times and to also stay the course to, to be great leaders. Yeah, at the point where I was actually promoted to executive level. So this was probably about a little over 12, 13 years ago. I had a a mentor and a coach at that time, and he asked me a question, which was interesting. He said, what do you think your biggest challenge is going to be? And it it wasn't technical. It wasn't. And I think he actually was surprised by the response. I said, I'm worried about not being able to be myself. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I don't want to stop being Harriet. I don't want to put up a front because now I'm an executive. I don't want to put on this facade. I don't want to do corporate speak. I just, I just want, I want to be able to continue to be me. Mm. And he said, well, then just be you. And, and it was just as simple as that, that actually, Mary, when I'm in situations where I'm kind of torn about doing that, I remember his words, right? And I'm like, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be vulnerable and I want to be approachable and I don't want to be somebody else because I have a different title. And that has resonated for me for a very, very long time and has actually guided my career. Because at times it's very tough to do that. And at times I've had to make very tough decisions around, do I continue want to be me or do I want that? Right. And it's guided me in my decision making. So I'd say, don't stop being who you are. It kind of goes to the inclusive diversity as well. you know, in in a different way. So that's one piece. Another piece is I continue to push myself to be uncomfortable. And and what I mean by that is I typically measure my uncomfortableness on a, on a spectrum of one to 10, Mm -hmm. where three is like, you're just kind of coasting, right? (laughs) And 10, you're like nauseated. (laughs) I try not to be nauseated or coasting for a very long time. So I like to be in the seven range, if I were to put an average, where I'm pushing myself enough where, God, this feels a little uncomfortable. God, you know, this is kind of tough. God, this is challenging. But yet I feel like I can overcome it, right? And so that continues to push me and my personal growth, but that also pushes the people around me and the organization to a a point of change and pushing the boundaries. So I would say those those two pieces, I'd leave you with that advice. That's fantastic. And I think is so relevant for where we're at today. But, you know, we talked about a lot of different things where you could jump in and have a conversation that makes you, you might be teetering on that nine or 10, yeah. um, you know, yeah. being uncomfortable, but you're in the game, you're in the ring, you're, you're starting to have those types of conversations and to step up, I think is, is really remarkable. And it probably all goes back to that grit, you know, where you started early in your career and you took risks and you went for it to get to you to where you are today at a senior level and making a difference at ADT. Yeah. Yeah. 
That is fantastic. Well, this has been remarkable. And I could circle back to about 10 other points in our conversations to elaborate on, but absolutely fantastic. And I can't thank you enough for being a guest on Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast and look forward to probably a part two conversation not too far down the road. Sounds great, Mary. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. For more information on our vision, please visit m3placement.com.